I'm Dave, one of the teaching pastors. It's great to be here with you. I love being here with you. And uh, Fusion people, if you're a junior high or high school student, want to let you know now's your time to go back to the class, head out those doors, take a left. You'll have a great time. And uh, we're so glad you're here. All right. Well, we have this great opportunity to start a series I'm really excited about. So, so let me say this, first of all. I really want to encourage you to make every one of these uh, messages because there is just going to be some phenomenal stuff that I really believe this can transform your life. And we're talking about help wanted. Um, God's grace is really the help you need. And I think we're going to really unpack this for you and help you to understand how powerful the grace of God really is. But I want to begin with the true story about my twin brother and I. We were about 16 years old. We were living in Seattle at the time. We grew up in Rose Park, but our parents divorced. And so we're living in Seattle. We come uh, back to Utah for a little vacation. Hadn't seen our, our dad in a long, long time. And so we're leaving his house to go into the car with mom. And this is the day when you don't have air conditioning. Air conditioning meant unroll all four windows. Okay, and the best seat in the car, there were no seatbelts, so you didn't worry about that, was on the floor because there were four kids in the back, all right? And so we're getting ready to take this long 18-hour drive, and we go outside my dad's front door, and there is this cherry red, beautiful 442 souped-up Oldsmobile. And my dad said to my brother and I, because he knew we never had a car because my mom was a single mom, she drove it, and he said this is your car. We went crazy, all right? My brother was a world-class sprinter. His legs start spinning. He starts running just in the front yard, just running. Fall, get up. Fall, get up. He was so excited. And I got to tell you, that was a great gift. If you ask me one of the great gifts in my life, that was one of the great gifts in my life. Now, I want you to think about a great gift that you received in your life right? You know, other than your husband. You know, other than that, because he's just an awesome gift, a one-time gift. You never get any better. Just trying to give you a little love, guys. And, um, but think about it. I, I remember my kids. My boys were probably six and eight at the time. It was Christmas. So uh, Patty and I got them the Lego Star Wars set. I mean the Taj Mahal, baby, right? And they saw that. They thought that was the greatest thing they'd ever seen in their lives. But here's what I didn't do. We gave it to them. They were super excited. I didn't say, now, now that your mom and I gave this to you, you owe us for the rest of your lives. You owe us retirement. You owe us to live with us when we get old. I didn't do that. Number one, they wouldn't get it. But number two, that wouldn't be a gift, would it? No, that would just be extreme manipulation. See, a lot of things we call gifts aren't really gifts. They're just calculated manipulation. They're just the first part of a transaction. But today I want to talk to you about God because God is the ultimate giver. God is generous at heart. He is the ultimate giver. And our word for gift comes from this biblical word called grace. Did you know that? We get our word, grace, from this Greek word, gift. Now, grace in the Bible means this, and this is super important for you to get from the get-go. Grace means the undeserved, 
unmerited love, favor, and blessings of God. All right? In other words, and this is so important, you didn't earn the gift. You might not even deserve the gift, and you can never pay it back. So grace is this undeserved love by God, undeserved favor by God. You didn't earn it, you don't deserve it, and you can never pay it back. Why? Because it demonstrates the generous spirit and the loving heart of God. And that's what grace really is, and that's what we're going to be talking about. And here's why it's so important. You cannot have a meaningful life without it. You cannot have a meaningful life without it. All right? So we are all in desperate need of God's grace. I am, and you are, and you say, well, what, what do you mean? Well, here's the deal. I was body surfing in California, and I'm body surfing out there, and there's some really good surfers, and they're on this side, and I'm on this side, and this really good surfer kind of gets sucked out by the current, and he goes a little farther and a little farther, and he doesn't want rescue, but I'm thinking this guy's in trouble. But he's not going to ask for help. He's not going to ask for help. He gets further and further. Finally, the lifeguards go out there, and he's mad because he doesn't want to admit that he needs help. If they wouldn't have gone out there, he would have died. You know what his problem was? He's American. <laughs> That's his problem. Because we don't like to ask for help. But here's what Jesus says. Jesus says we're all lost, even with our GPSs. We're lost spiritually. What does that mean? That means we don't know how to find our way to God. That means we have spiritual issues. The Bible calls it sin. I'm lost and you're lost and, we, and we're lost and we were born lost. So the Apostle Paul writes this letter to these Ephesians. This at this time is the biggest church there is, okay? Here's what he says. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and many sins. Well, what do you mean dead? See, you and I were born physically, but we are dead spiritually until Jesus, in a sense, puts a heart transplant in us. So we're dead spiritually, we're born dead spiritually, that's why we're lost spiritually, and that's why we're disobedient. In other words, God says go right, and we go left. God says yes, and we say no. God says no, we say I think so. All right? You used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. And people say to me, well, I wasn't following the devil. No, it's the devil's system. The Bible says that the devil's system is the world. Now, there's only two kingdoms in the Bible. There's the kingdom of God, and there's the kingdom of the evil one. There's only two. And until you're in the kingdom of God, through a relationship with Jesus, we all start in the kingdom of the devil. And because of that, we're lost. Then he says, he is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. Listen, you were born with an innate sense to disobey your parents and God. You don't have to teach a kid to steal. You don't have to teach a kid to throw a fit, right? Right? Because that's their natural tendency. 
All of us used to live this way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. The Bible says we have a heart of stone. We're, in a sense, born with this heart of stone. In other words, it's hard towards the things of God. And that's why we have this sinful nature. So you say, well, what's a sinful nature? The word sin is literally, it's, it's an archer, right, who has a target. And this Greek word means the archer lets right, the arrow go, and it completely misses the target. It's kind of like my buddy. I grew up, uh, I spent a few years in Arizona. My buddy says, watch this compound bow, how powerful it is. I wasn't a hunter. I'm still not a hunter. I didn't know. He pulls it back in his front yard, and he misses the target. It goes through his fence. I'm waiting for puppies to be yelping, right? And fortunately, he didn't hit anything, but he was a terrible shot. See, here's what sin means. Don't, don't let this kind of religious word get to you. It means God says, I want you to live this way. I want you to love God, and I want you to love people. But we don't always live that way. We spend more time concerned with ourselves, more time concerned with our agenda, than we do God and we do people. So we miss the mark. That's what he's saying here. We disobey. We follow our own desires and inclinations of our sinful nature, by our very nature, we were subject to God's anger just like everyone else. And because we live disobedient to God and we go our own way, the Bible says, instead of God's way that separates us from God, we all have this problem and God is upset about that. So that's what Paul says. We're all lost. We all have a problem. We have a hard heart. And let's add to that, we have very selfish hearts. We have selfish hearts. The great theologian Augustine said that we put our affections, I love the way he says this, in the wrong place. Instead of towards God, we put it on ourselves. Instead of towards us, we're more driven by the affection to just get what we can. And that's us. That's you. That's me. We're lost. And so we got to do something different. That's why it says when you embrace God's help, it changes your destiny. We need help. I need help, and you need help, and we need to say, God, I need a rescue because I'm lost. I don't know where I'm going. I, don't, I certainly don't know how to get to heaven. I really don't know how to treat people well because I'm too concerned about myself. I want you to do this. The next time you look at the moon at night, you're going to see maybe a crescent-shaped moon or maybe a half moon or a full moon. What I want you to think about is we're seeing the reflection from the sun, so we see that brilliance and that brightness. But on the other side is the dark part of the moon. See, that's like us. We all want to present the bright side and the shiny side and the nice side and the kind side, and that's good. But we all know we have a dark side. We have a side that thinks things that we don't want anybody to know about. We have a dark side that has said such mean things sometimes through gossip, slander, anger, rage. We've done some things we don't want a soul to know about. We're lost biblically. We're sinners biblically. 
that separates us from God and we need his help so that he can change our destiny, so that he can change our future. Because we're lost people and we have this hard heart and God wants to give us a new heart with a new destiny. Jesus said in John 10, 10, I came that they might have life and have it to the full. Isn't that awesome? God wants you to have a meaningful and a full life. He doesn't want you to just get by. He doesn't want it just to be okay. He really wants you to have a full and meaningful life that can replace the empty life you'll have without him. Not only does he change your destiny this way, because the Bible says when Christ comes into your life, watch this, he changes the heart of stone to a heart for him. Isn't that great? You can't change that heart. He can. Then it says he alters your destiny. Not only does he say, I came that they might have life and have it to the full. In John 3.16, it says, right? Remember this. For God so loved the world, right? He gave his only begotten son so that ever believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. So Jesus comes not just for a meaningful life but for eternal life. I mean, that's profound. But that is all. You're going to see this. That all happens because of grace, this undeserved favor of God. Now, I want you to think about something. I have this big whiteboard up here, okay? And I want you to think that I called you up here, all right? And I want you to write down your sins of this last month. Now, by the way, Jesus said it's a sin is what you thought, not just what you said or what you did. I just want you to write, don't you wish there was just like this massive sin eraser, right? That you could just come up and just wipe it and it's just a whiteboard behind it. I mean, I wish there was that. I I wish there was this sin eraser. Deal with all of the guilt we carry around. Here's what I really think. I think probably every one of us has some guilt or shame about something and we know we might even be forgiven but we keep carrying it around. I think a lot of people struggle with some stuff they wish they weren't doing but those are just sins of commission. How about sins of omission? I think a bunch of people wish God I said I was going to serve you and I'm not serving you. God, I said I was going to give to you, and I'm not. God, I said I'd get a mentor, but I'm not. God, I said I'd get in a small group, but I still haven't done it. So we need some help. His name's Jesus. So Paul keeps writing. So we praise God for the glorious grace he poured out on us who belong to his dear son. So God does this thing. You're all broken. You're all lost. You can't make yourself right with God, but I can. So he sends Jesus Christ, and Jesus pours out his grace to us. Remember, undeserved love and favor of God. You know what's great about this verse? He doesn't do an eye drop, right? He doesn't say, I'm going to give you an eye drop of grace. He doesn't even say, I'm going to give you a thimble of grace for those who still know what that means. He doesn't say, I'm going to give you a teaspoon of grace. He doesn't even say, I'm going to give you a Costco sample. Because that's not bad sometimes, right? You know why they praise God? 
And they would all get this image in the ancient world. It's a cup that is overflowing. God says, I'm going to give you so much kindness in your life. I'm going to give you so much forgiveness in your life. I'm going to give you so much love in your life. I'm going to give you so much peace in your life that it overflows. I'm going to give you all of these gifts. And so we praise God for this glorious grace. It has been poured out on us who belong to the dear son. So here's the imagery. You're the cup. And God just keeps loving you even though you don't deserve it. He keeps forgiving you even though you can't earn it. He keeps blessing you and you can never pay him back. That's beautiful. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. So not only does he keep loving you even though you're not always lovable, He's patient with you even though you're impatient with him. He offers his son, Jesus, for all that stuff that's on the board to die on a cross, to be beaten and tortured and mocked and slapped and slugged and ridiculed and have nails put in him. He says, not only that, I'm going to give you the greatest gift of all. I'm going to give you Jesus. And Jesus is the great sin eraser. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to not only forgive us our sins, but watch this, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Though your sins in the Old Testament are as red as crimson, with God they'll be white like the snow. In other words, they're gone. They're taken away. That's what Jesus does. That's the grace of God. No wonder he says they're going to praise God because that, because it's incredible. And here's one of the great verses in the Bible. Ephesians 2.8, God saved you. What did God save us from? He saved us from judgment. Because of the work of Christ on the cross. When you and I stand before Jesus, if we believe that he died for our sins and paid for it, the Bible says there's no condemnation for us. Unbelievable. He saves us from judgment. He saves us from being separated from God forever and eternity. God saved you by his gift of grace, his undeserved love, when you believed in Jesus. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Do you know that every religion in the world wants to take credit for it? Let me tell you, I've studied every major religion in the world. Every major religion in the world, no matter what they are, except Christianity, goes something like this. you got to be good, and you got to do good to earn something. Remember the transaction I talked about? God, I'm trying to do good. I'm doing good works. You owe me heaven. That's why we say to someone, do you know if you're going to heaven, they always say this, I try to be a good person. Now, they compare themselves to an axe murderer, so they feel good. Okay? I'm better than the axe murderer, okay? But every religion, be good, do good, get a transaction, God owes you. Christianity says just the opposite. God owes you nothing. As a matter of fact, the reason he doesn't, there's no one good, Paul writes, not even one. There's no one righteous, not even one. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. 
So God does the most incredible thing. He descends from heaven in the form of Jesus Christ. And God says, you can't work your way up to me. So I'm going to have to get the job done. I'm going to come down to you. I'm going to be humiliated and tortured. But I'm going to die on the cross so that I can make you reconciled to God. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's the gift from God. See, I got a neighbor we're investing in, spending time with, and I took the four of us out to dinner a couple months ago. So we go out to dinner a couple weeks ago, and he sneaks and he pays. I said, what are you doing? We're going to split this. He goes, nope, I owe you back. It's bothered me for months that you paid last time. I cannot let you do that. I got to make it even and clear up the debt. That's a transaction. When I took him out to dinner, it was a free gift. He didn't owe me anything. But see, his psyche, he couldn't handle it. No, I got to earn your favor. I got to earn your respect. I got to earn this relationship. Do you realize that's how so many of us treat God? We do this. God, I went to church Sunday, so Monday better be good. Right? Because you know how Mondays are, God. God, I went to church and a small group. This date better work. God, I know you're shocked. I gave a little money this week. God, I want the Mercedes. Transaction, not unconditional love and grace. Listen, God doesn't love you. I hate to break it to you because you are such a great group. But God doesn't love you because you're so lovable. You were as a baby. I know. I know. The pictures are cute. But you grew up. God doesn't love us because we're lovable. Watch this. God loves us because he's lovable. And he's loving. When I go to heaven, I was talking to a guy after the service. I told this guy, he goes, well, how are you going to get to heaven? I said, I'm not going to say I'm a pastor. I'm not going to say I went to Alpine. And I asked him, what are you going to say? He goes, well, I grew up in this one religion. And, and you know, I said, what are you going to say? He says, well, I'm just going to say Jesus died for me and I believe that. I go, that's what I'm going to say probably on my knees or flat down prostrate crying. That's it. Dave, why should I let you to heaven? Actually, you shouldn't. I don't deserve heaven. I've been horrible on the earth. But I believe Jesus died for me, for my past sins and my present sins and my future sins. And I know I didn't deserve it and I couldn't earn it. That's why I'll be crying. But Jesus in his great grace, undeserved love and favor gave it to me. And he will say, come on in. Is anybody with me here? Grace, undeserved love and favor and blessing of God. 
You know, Ross is one of the teaching pastors. This used to be his campus years ago. And they used to do an outreach on Roy Days. And the outreach was they had a booth because it was hot and they would give out free bottles of water to demonstrate the grace of God, the love of God. So this guy comes up and he says to Ross, how much? Transaction. Ross says, it's free. And he goes to give the guy free. The guy goes, no, I want to pay. And Ross says, no, you can't pay. The whole point of this, it's a gift. We want to demonstrate the unconditional love of God. And the guy said, I pay for every gift that I get. And Ross says, well, you can't pay. It's a gift. And the guy walked away. Here's what stuns me. Jesus says, I am the way. In the Greek, it's not a way. It's the way. It's a definite article. I am the one and only way. And I'm the one and only truth. And I'm the one and only life. And no one gets to heaven but through me. The way. Now, in Peter it says that God desires that none perish. So the heart of God wants everyone to make it to heaven. But God gave you and I a will. And God doesn't force himself on anyone. And God says, here's my gift. It's the greatest gift you'll ever have. His name is Jesus. And he's not just a gift. He's the gift that keeps on giving. Because not only does he make you a new person with a new heart and a new life and a new eternity, but he is the way to heaven. So will you accept the gift? Will you receive that gift? You will never be offered a greater gift. True story, this guy had this huge gift. I think it was supposed to be spectacular. And he got mad at his wife, and he didn't open the Christmas gift. What kind of guy is that? That guy's dumb. That's the kind of guy he is. Does not open the gift. Who in his right mind doesn't open the gift? Jesus is the gift. Have you received it? Have you accepted him and all that he has done for you? Or have you not opened the gift? See, a lot of people say, oh, one day I'll open that gift. I've heard people say, when I get older, I'm going to get serious with Jesus. Really, I've heard lots of people say that. I can tell you, as a pastor who's been around for a few years, I am 30, I know I look a little younger, but... (laughs) When people get older, they don't get more open to Jesus. They don't. I've been at many deathbeds. They get more stubborn and resistant. That's why the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Someday, one day, never comes. Do you know this, Jesus? Have you received his gift? I'm going to pray and maybe you want to accept him today. But I want to talk to those who have already right now. And then I'm going to pray. Have you lost your first love? I was sharing on a message like this and this guy came down just tears. And he said, I knew the truth. I knew Jesus. And I've walked away. 
It was slow. It was subtle. I'm not close to him. My marriage is awful. My family's awful. And I said, well, then just come home. And I could tell he was afraid. I said, oh, the prodigal son in the Bible, this son was horrible. He was terrible. And when he came home, here's what's amazing. It's a picture of God. God didn't give him a lecture. God didn't even lecture him. God didn't judge him. God didn't say, I told you so. It says the father wrapped his arms around the son and said, let's have a party and celebrate. My son was lost, now he's home. Maybe that's where you are today. Let's pray. Dear God, we just want to thank you for a moment. Um, We really do. I just want to thank you that you love us beyond anything we can imagine. We, We want to thank you for your grace. Just this great grace um, that loves us when we can't earn it and don't deserve it and could never, ever pay you back. So Lord, I want to pray for some of my friends. I want to pray for those persons that this is the day you've kind of opened their mind and their heart. And maybe this is you. You know it is. Your heart's pounding and as I'm praying, you know this is the day you Ask Jesus to forgive you, to cleanse you, to take that eraser and to erase all the mistakes and sin of your life. Just ask him to. He will. Ask him to forgive you, to cleanse you. Ask him to be your God. Ask him to give you a new heart and a new future because he will, no matter what you've done no matter how many times you've done it. Then, God, I pray for my friends that know you. Lord, I pray we would be humbled in a good way by this message, that it would remind us how loving you truly have been to us, how kind, how gentle, how patient. And I pray we'd come back home to your loving arms, and your forgiving embrace and that we could celebrate that we're back home where we belong where it feels safe and good and solid if that's you tell God you're sorry that you've drifted and maybe even gone AWOL but that you've come home come home in Jesus name we pray amen